Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Wednesday, March the 16th. Our reading this morning comes to us by way of the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. Jeremiah 18, verses 18 through 20. Uh, several uh, weeks ago, we spoke about the hurt that comes with ingratitude. Uh, we give ourselves, we do all kinds of things for people, and they, even, they either take it for granted or they simply ignore it, or they always just believe that we're going to do whatever we do without any kind of uh, appreciation or any kind of thank you. And uh, there is a sting to that. There's a sting to ingratitude. What well, we'd like to reflect for just a moment today on another kind of sting, which in many ways is much deeper. It is the sting of betrayal, a broken trust, uh, a promise that is not kept, although we have the person's word and we have trusted them. A broken trust is a very uh, difficult thing to overcome because trust is very fragile, uh, especially in a world where promises are often broken, promises are not kept, guarantees don't seem to guarantee anything, and even contracts are easily broken or disregarded. We simply get the right lawyer or we simply ignore them. It becomes much more difficult when we're talking in the realm of marriage, uh, also in terms of relationships that we've had for a long period of time among friends or family members or people that we really have learned to, to trust and expect trust, people in authorities who betray our trust and our belief uh, in them, in their word, in what they have been saying. And they show one side of themselves and then we find out that there was a whole other side, a whole other kind of life. And we feel betrayed uh, by that. Well, Jeremiah the prophet finds himself in that particular situation. Jeremiah has been raised up by God to proclaim the word, and the word is the word repentance and reform, because the people in Judah and Jerusalem, remember Israel is divided in two kingdoms now, Israel and uh, Judah, that they have wandered away from the covenant, and God calls on Jeremiah to proclaim the need for repentance and reform. Well, the people in Judah and the people in Jerusalem, they do not uh, care for that message at all. Uh, it doesn't appeal to them. In fact, they find it appalling. And yet it was Jeremiah who pleaded for them, who pleaded to the Lord not to carry out the terrible punishment that the Lord was justly planning to deliver to them. But God relented and showed them mercy uh, at the prayers and the, and the, uh, the sincerity 
of Jeremiah on their behalf. And so the Lord held back his hand of wrath. And now we find that the men of Judah and the citizens of Jerusalem, they come together and they form a conspiracy. And we've grown more and more familiar with conspiracies in recent times. And they say, let us conceive a plot against Jeremiah. And so we can destroy him by his own tongue. Let us carefully note his every word. So they are going to uh, come together, watch him very carefully, so that they can trap him or catch him in some word or phrase or some action that can be misinterpreted and presented a different way, and they can destroy him, uh, either by his reputation or even worse, uh, by his own life. And so Jeremiah becomes aware of this, and he turns to the Lord and he says, Lord, please listen to what my adversaries are saying. His one-time people that he had advocated for are now his adversaries. Uh, must good be replayed with evil, that they should dig a pit to take my life? Remember that I stood before you to speak in their behalf, to turn away your wrath from them. Uh, Jeremiah is saying, look, I was their advocate. I was their friend. I was their mouthpiece. And you held back your wrath from what you planned. And look how I am betrayed. Look, look, look what they give me now. Not some kind of gratitude uh, for speaking for them, but now they are planning to actually physically kill me by throwing me into the pit. And we can understand Jeremiah's hurt, the sting of that betrayal, to recommend, to plead for someone, to advocate, and then to have that person turn on you and plan your demise. We can only imagine that. Many of us have experienced various kinds of betrayal, various degrees of betrayal. And we can't help but feel the sting of that kind of experience. Jesus was very familiar with that, wasn't he? The Pharisees and the, and the scribes, those in the establishments of religion and government, are always looking for a way to, ca to catch Jesus in his speech or in his actions, to discredit him and even try to kill him as they eventually will. And the inner circle, the inner circle of the twelve, one denies him and one betrays him. Peter denies the Lord. I, I, don't, I don't know this guy. Never saw him in my life. I have nothing to do with him. Right on that holy Thursday night. I, do, I don't know him. Uh, evidently he forgot the keys. Evidently he forgot that he was among the first call to follow Jesus. Judas, 
who hands him over for thirty pieces of silver and betrays him with a kiss. Uh, we can only imagine Jesus in his humanity. What a sting that was. Jesus had told them, all twelve, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, for I have made known to you everything my Father has revealed to me. That intimacy, that revelation of the great mystery of the Father, revealed to them, and yet denial and betrayal. Uh, Jesus, though, does not seek retribution. He does not seek vengeance. Uh, he will offer Judas the first and the most important piece at the Last Supper, the morsel, that he himself dips in the herbs and hands it to Judas as a sign of an opportunity to return and repent. Um, the other disciples are wanting to know who, who's going to betray him so that they can do him in. Jesus does not reveal that. He, he gives him the opportunity to repent. Jesus looks at Peter, and Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. But Jesus says, I will pray for you, Peter, that you may turn and strengthen your brothers, which of course he will. Even in the face of that awful, you know, betrayal, denial, Jesus does not turn to vengeance and hatred. He will not be consumed by his own desire for payback. But he does what is most effective. He offers the opportunity for healing and forgiveness and for mercy and for changing one's life. And in our own life, in our own betrayals, either what we have done or what we have received, it is, uh, it is a bitter pill to swallow, as we say. It's a, it's a very painful sting to be betrayed. And yet, on a deeper level, every sin is, in effect, a betrayal. Every sin is a turning away and denying our Lord. It is a betrayal of God's unbounded love for us made visible in Jesus. And during this particular time of the year, as we continue our journey with Jesus to Jerusalem, it's a good opportunity to review our own lives, to see where betrayal and denial have played a role in our life, either in terms of what we have done or the, or the ways in which we have betrayed some of our trust, some of our commitments. Not become despairing or seeking vengeance. Both of those are off the, off the table. But how we can seek reconciliation, how we can show forgiveness, those are great challenges, both sides of that what we have done and what has been done to us. But Jesus counsels 
It is not the way of vengeance and retribution, of payback. To be truly healed, we are never healed by hurting another. We are never really healed by paying back. It is only through loving forgiveness and mercy that God shows to us every day that we also ourselves are healed and made whole. May today we follow the example of Jesus that we may be made whole and forgive and reconcile as God forgives and reconciles with us each and every day. God bless you.